This is the word of God. Please listen attentively to it. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Let us go before the Lord in prayer. Our gracious God, we thank you for our progression through the Gospel of Matthew. We thank you, O Lord, that we've made it through to this sixth chapter. We ask, O Lord, that you would guide us this morning. We pray, O Lord, that you would give us ears to hear as you speak to us through your word. And we ask, Lord, that you would cause us to humbly submit to all that you teach us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. What motivates you? What causes you to do the things that you do? Specifically, what causes you to do righteous deeds? These these righteous acts which Jesus speaks about in this uh, sixth chapter, in these first few verses of this chapter. What causes you to do these things? Jesus in this passage confronts you this morning with your motives. As he has done in earlier passages in the Sermon on the Mount. And so he asks you this morning, is your motivation for doing good deeds, is it, is it to please other people? Is it to receive their praise or their approval? Do you live for the applause that you get when you do something good? Do you give to the poor so that other people will think of you as a generous person? Do you call attention to yourself when you do these things? Do I pray in public in the hopes that other people will think well of me? Think what a pious, righteous person that man must be because he's doing this. Do we publicly fast, if we fast at all, so that people will see how religious we are? Well, this morning's passage, and really the first half of chapter 6, as you can see if you just do a quick glance through it, is concerned with the motivation for the practicing of our righteousness. And Jesus gives three examples uh, in this section. He talks about uh, giving to the needy, almsgiving. He talks about prayer. He talks about fasting. He talks about these things because they are in some ways the most public of what we do as believers. But he points to the fact that they are in reality an exercise which comes out of the heart. They are a reality, they point to the reality that these are in fact things that, are, that should be motivated by a desire to love God. Well, in our passage this morning, Jesus uses this example of almsgiving, giving to the needy, to challenge his listeners to ask the question, am I doing this for my own benefit? Or am I seeking to love my neighbor and glorify God in the process? And so I lay this before you and ask you to consider it as we work our way through these four verses. Jesus obeyed his father 
by selflessly giving his life for us so that we could be obedient to the Father and selflessly give to others. Jesus obeyed his Father by selflessly giving his life for us so that we could be obedient to the Father and selflessly give to others. Well, this passage I've divided into three sections. Fair warning, verse 1. Jesus gives fair warning. Verse 2, hypocrisy in giving. And verses 3 and 4, secrecy in giving. Again, verse 1, fair warning. Verse 2, hypocrisy in giving. And verses 3 and 4, secrecy in giving. Let's look at verse 1. Fair warning. Jesus says in this verse, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Now this verse may seem at first like a departure from the previous section. And after all, it's got that number six, the chapter uh, heading right there between the two. But if you consider them, if you look in the greater context, you'll see that it, it flows right out of those preceding verses. Several times now in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus has already mentioned the word righteousness. He mentions it twice in the Beatitudes. He mentions it again in uh, chapter 5, verse 20, where he says, For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And in our passage this morning on giving to the needy, but also in the following passages on prayer and fasting, Jesus is going to show what it means for your righteousness to exceed the righteousness of the religious leaders of his day. And Jesus has already shown that this righteousness is an internal component. He talked about that when he talked about anger, when he talked about lust, when he talked about adultery. It's internal. What you do in your heart affects your righteousness. Obviously, it's not what you do on the outside. It's what you do on the inside and what you think and what you allow yourself uh, to consider. And so in verse 1, when he uses the phrase, practicing your righteousness, he's going to show that the outward righteousness, the practicing of righteousness, should flow out of internal righteousness. And when it doesn't, when the external, when, when what's on the outside doesn't match what's on the inside, when your praises to the Lord are empty praises, when you're just going through the motions of your Christian life, you're guilty of hypocrisy. And he uses that word. Very strongly. Practicing your righteousness is doing is the doing of righteous deeds. It is loving your neighbor as yourself. It is exactly what Jesus talked about in last week's passage, isn't it? Loving your enemy instead of hating your enemy. And all of the practical implications of that. We are commanded to love our neighbors and our enemies in the same way that God does when he sends the rain down upon the just and the unjust. We're commanded to love our enemies the same way that God does when he causes his son to shine upon the evil and upon the good. And in the, in the Gospel of Luke, when Luke is dealing with this passage, he quotes Jesus as saying, Be merciful as your Father in heaven is merciful. Perfection is tied up in mercy in Jesus' teaching. But the motives behind the deed determine whether it is truly righteous or not. So Jesus tells us, beware of practicing your righteousness in order to be seen, for the purpose of being seen by others. 
How many of us are guilty of doing this? If we're being honest, all of us have done this at some point. That doesn't mean that we never pray in public. It doesn't mean that we have to give in such a way that it's entirely secret. What it means is what's going on in your heart when you pray. What's going on when you give? When we have the deacon's offering on the first Sunday of each month, what's going through your heart? Is it a desire to receive the applause of other people? Do you want them to see you drop that cash in the basket? Or is your desire to love the Lord your God and to love your neighbor, to care for the needy? This is what Jesus is getting at here. Jesus is commanding his followers to do deeds of righteousness in secret, even if we're not able to do it in secret. And this goes completely against the grain of human nature. Our fleshly nature, what, what does our fleshly nature want to do? It wants to hide our sin. And it wants to promote, it wants to publicize the good things that we do, doesn't it? It's the exact opposite of what the Lord Jesus has called us to do. Our new nature, the nature that we've been given in Christ Jesus when the Holy Spirit comes and dwells in us, causes us to do the exact opposite. The Holy Spirit calls us to practice our righteousness in secret. We're to seek to keep it hidden. We don't want to promote ourselves. But what do we promote? What do we say? We should be willing to confess our sins to others, especially when we've sinned against someone else. The sinful nature has it all backwards. Sinful nature has everything in reverse. And Jesus warns against this. Jesus commands us here in these passages to resist the temptation of wanting people to see the good that we do. And it's a temptation for all of us. He knows that in in cases where I do a righteous act for publicity, my primary concern is me and how people view me. I don't care about the person who receives my goodwill gift. It's about me. And this would seem to be what has fueled so many of the celebrity adoptions of children from Africa in the last decade. How many times have we seen celebrities go over, they adopt these little children, and they're followed by their entourage and by a press pool so that they can get attention for what they do. When we call attention to our generosity, it becomes evident that our true desire is to receive the praise of people. We don't care about the praise of our Heavenly Father. And so Jesus says that when we do this, we will have no reward from our Heavenly Father. Well, Jesus used the term reward. He uses it here. He used it in chapter 5, verse 46, in last week's passage. He'll use it again. In chapter 5, verse 46, he says, For if if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Reward is a touchy subject in our circles, isn't it? In Presbyterian and Reformed circles. We don't like to think of, of God giving a reward to those people whom he has chosen and whom he has called. Who he has redeemed. What does Jesus mean by reward here? Well, Jesus says of the hypocrites in verse 2, who blow the trumpets when they're giving the alms, their alms to the poor, that when they receive the praise of men, they have received their reward. And so it seems that in this context, Jesus is speaking about praise. It's either the praise of men, or it's the praise of our Heavenly Father. 
It's either the praise of men now, or it's, either, it's, it's the praise of God later. And you can see this in Jesus' own life. Jesus, when he was baptized, when he took that step, that first step into his public ministry, when he took the first step of identifying himself with sinful people, with sinners like you and me, what did his father say? This is my beloved son. He said it publicly. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Jesus received the, the reward due him from his father because of what he did. God will speak similarly to his adopted sons and daughters when he says, well done, good and faithful servant, as in the parable of the talents in Matthew 25. This is your reward. What does this mean? Does it mean that by doing things, you've earned God's favor? Absolutely not. The reward that you receive is just as gracious an act as anything else. It's not merited by what you do. You have to think of this in terms of a, of a father's relationship to his child. A father, by nature, will love his child. There's nothing that his child can do to make him love uh, the child anymore. And yet, when the child does acts of obedience, you all know this, your parents, you've seen this, you, you show your affection to that child. You reward them for what they do. It doesn't mean you love them more. Just as them, uh, when they are disobedient, it doesn't mean you love them less. But you publicly speak to them and praise them for what they've done. This is what Jesus, uh, uh, the result of Jesus' work for us. When we're adopted as God's son, this is what it results in. You see, God loves his own children unconditionally. In love, he predestined us for adoption through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will, as Paul says in Ephesians chapter five, uh, 1, verse 5. And when we show our love for him by being obedient to his commands, he is faithful. As the Westminster Shorter Catechism says, he is faithful to openly acknowledge us and acquit us in the day of judgment. He will do this. The reward we receive from our Father is not of merit, but of grace. God will reward us because we are his children who are acting according to his will. Well, let's look at verse 2 now. Hypocrisy in giving. Because we will receive no reward from our Father if we practice our righteousness to be seen by men, Jesus says in verse 2 that we are not to call attention to what we do. We're not to call attention to ourselves. He says, thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. This is the reward of the hypocrites, the praise of men. Why do we give to those in need? What is our motivation? At its most basic level, we give because we're seeking to be obedient to our Heavenly Father. We're seeking to be obedient to his commands to us. And here's something that I should point out to you. It's obvious, but I wanted to take a little bit of time to point out. What does Jesus say here at the very beginning of this verse? He says, when you give to the needy. Not if. Not if. It is assumed that Christians give to the needy. This is not a conditional statement. 
And so I commend to you that monthly deacon's offering. And I commend to you to look for opportunities to give to people and to take care of the needy. This is a, this is a command, both in the Old Testament and in the New. This is a loving of your neighbor. But we need to note something here, that, that giving to the needy, giving to the poor, is not uniquely Christian. All of the major religions of the world hold to giving to the, to the needy. They have, they have uh, teachings on almsgiving. All the major religions of the world teach about prayer and fasting as well. These are, these are key tenets of Islam, of Judaism, Buddhism. For instance, Islam places a huge emphasis on giving to the poor. It is one of the five pillars that every Muslim must observe, must complete, must pre- perform. So then what is the difference? What's the difference between a Christian giving to the needy and a Muslim giving to the needy? Or anyone else. It's the motivation behind it. It's what's in your heart that causes you to give. Jesus commands his followers to sound no trumpet, to call no attention to themselves when they give to the needy. Now, it is hard to know. There's no, there's no evidence that's in existence still that, that, that trumpets were actually blown at the time, it's conceivable that, that the needy were summoned by a trumpet sound in order to come and receive uh, the alms that had been co- uh, contributed to the, some box in a temple or in a synagogue. We don't know for sure. Jesus maybe was speaking literally. He could have been speaking figuratively. The fact is he was speaking in an over-the-top way. That the hypocrites announce their giving by trumpets. And what he means is that it doesn't matter how you seek to get attention, to gain attention from your giving. The fact is, you're doing it in an ostentatious manner. You're doing it blatantly, no matter what, no matter how small your motivation is to receive the praise of man. You see, we desire the praise of men more than we desire the welfare of that needy person. And these hypocrites that Jesus was talking about, they desire the recognition of other, other people over the recognition of God. This is the instinct of sinful human nature. This is what lies behind it. And it seems that nowadays there are many organizations that play on this instinct. There are many organizations that play on this base human desire to get recognition, to be uh, publicly uh, uh, announced that they've done such a thing. And so you see organizations having lists of people and donors and the top donors, tiers of, of donorship. They try to entice people into charitable giving through these means. But Jesus says that for those who seek recognition, that is your sole reward. You've gotten it. And there will be no further. If other people's words of praise is what motivates you, then the words of praise are all you will receive. There is nothing else. Let's turn now and look at verses 3 and 4. Secrecy in giving. Jesus says that we shouldn't seek praise from others. But then he goes on to say uh, that we shouldn't praise ourselves. Verse 3 says, but when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. We're not to tell others about our giving to the needy. We're also to try to keep it from ourselves. Now, is is this possible? Of course not. Jesus is not being illogical here. He's not not, uh, meaning to be taken literally here. 
If you're giving money to someone, if you're writing a check to somebody, you are going to be aware of what you're doing. Hopefully, you'll know what you're doing. Jesus is saying that rather than being self-conscious and self-congratulatory about what you're doing, you forget about it. You don't look back on it and think what a great person you are for what you're doing. You don't cherish that act of charity. You see, if public praise is forgiving is one of the enticements that is used by organizations, personal praise is another. So often you will hear testimonies. When people are trying to get you to go on a missions trip or people are trying to get you to give to a certain thing, you hear these testimonies about how good it feels inside to give. Well, is that even a proper motivation? No, it's not. Jesus says you must try to do it in secret, even in secret to yourself. And what he means is that you are to forget all about it after you've done it. You don't dwell upon it. You don't congratulate yourself. And you've seen this. I've seen this. Many short-term missions trips use this kind of uh, thing as a recruiting tool. If being obedient to our Father by loving our neighbor isn't enough to compel us. We do it to feel good about ourselves. Jesus recognizes that, that for the sinful nature, it is all about me. I couldn't care less about that person in need. I give to them because I want other people to see it. To my sinful nature, I am my own greatest idol. And I want others to praise me. I want others to worship me. Because it validates my godhood. I also want to praise myself. And ultimately, in my flesh, I want to be God. I seek to dethrone him from his rightful place. And I want, to see, I want others to see me that way too. Wretched man that I am. Who can deliver me from this body of death? The flesh, the old man of the flesh, is such an insidious part of who we are. But Paul goes on to say in Romans chapter 7, Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord, for the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. You cannot do it yourself. But Jesus Christ can. You cannot escape your own desire for public praise. You cannot escape your own desire to praise yourself. But Jesus Christ can. God's Spirit through the death of Christ sets us free from our desire to praise ourselves. God's Spirit enables us to give to the needy. And to forget that we have given to them. We will be like the righteous person whom Jesus describes in Matthew 25, verse 37, who says, Lord, when did I do these things? When did I offer you food? When did I offer you drink? We won't know. Because it's the Spirit of God working through us. It's not we ourselves who do it. If the Holy Spirit dwells in you, you are able to give to the needy without praising yourself. And when the Lord reminds you of those things, you won't even know you have done them. They will have been such a natural part of what the Spirit is doing in your life. You don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, as verse says, so that your giving will be in secret. And your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. Now, bears stressing again. You cannot earn God's love by your righteous deeds. Our reward for giving to the needy is not salvation. 
You cannot, you cannot earn that. Giving to the needy or any other practice of righteousness is simply the byproduct of being called to repentance and faith by the Holy Spirit. Your deeds of righteousness are simply external evidences of your faith in Christ. That's all they are. They're the fruit of what Christ is doing in you through His Spirit. And they are intended to be seen only by the Father who is in heaven. Now, does this contradict what Jesus said earlier in chapter 5 when He said, let your light shine among men? No, because the motivation is different. You're to let your light shine, but you're not to let it shine in order that you may be praised for it. That is the difference. It is human nature to point to all the good things that we've done for the reason, the reasons for why we should be accepted by God into His heaven. And perhaps we think that by doing so many righteous deeds in public, we'll have other witnesses who can attest to what a great person we are when the time comes. But we are only accepted in God's presence and in His sight for the righteousness of Christ, which has been imputed to us by faith alone. It is Christ's righteous work when it is imputed to us, when it is imputed to us that God accepts. If you have repented of your sins and you've received Jesus Christ by faith, then you are accepted in God's sight. You don't have to earn His favor. Jesus Christ has earned it for you. All you need to do is point to Jesus and say, He is why I have any right to enter your heaven. If you believe in Jesus, you have already been accepted. But if you don't repent and believe, all you have to point to are your own righteous deeds, which in reality are worn and ragged, and they barely clothe you. They don't clothe you at all. And the Lord sees you for who you are, which is a sham. God, who sees in secret, knows your motivation. He knows what is in your heart. He knows you didn't give to the poor in order to bring glory to His name. You gave to the poor to bring glory to your own. Your works are insufficient to gain the acceptance of God. However, and here's the good news, the work of Jesus Christ is sufficient. And what He has done, what He did in His life, what He did in His death on the cross, and who He is as the eternal Son of God is sufficient for you to gain entrance into heaven and to gain God's approval. He obeyed His Father's commands in every way. His death on the cross was the perfect sacrifice for your sins. You do nothing else for God's love. All you need to do to have Christ's works be counted as your own is to repent and to believe. This is all. This is it. These are the conditions that the Lord has set before you. And when you do this, and those of you who have, you know this, God will look upon you as his child. And then he will receive those, those works of righteousness as being acceptable in his sight. And he will look upon you with love as his child. Let us go before the Lord in prayer. Gracious God, what a privilege it is to be named among the sons of God. To be counted, O oh Lord, with Christ as your child. Lord, now we ask that you would call us to increased obedience, not, Lord, so that we may receive praise of others, but that, so that we may be recipients of your praise. 
Lord, we ask that we would be pleasing in your sight. And we pray this in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen.